Leafs riding a two-game losing streak in which they've scored a total of two goals over those two games. We got to get that Frank Cervelli drop, the womp womp. That actually was <laughs> womp womp to hockey. I still want to talk about it. I do still want to talk about it more than the Phillies, but yes, uh, I was yeah. very upset when he did that to us. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, uh, not, was a right. not a womp womp season because the first two games, while there were some warts to be seen there, wow. Yeah. What hockey? What hockey? Six Flying goals around. from Austin Matthews. And even last night, entertaining mm-hmm. back half of the game for sure. Yep. Uh, had a six on four, looking to tie the game at the end of the game too. Guy Boucher was scribbling something. Yeah. That would have been quite a thing if the, if the Lisa had scored three goals in four games uh, with the yeah. empty net. Well, and it's like he's he gets the Jack Adams. Yeah. Not Sheldon Keefe. What? Has an assistant ever won coach <laughs> of the know, year? I was... I was Sitting there watching with my son, he's like, "How come the coach isn't talking?" I was like, "But this is his this thing. Is the, his thing. His thing." Mike right? Van Ryan does the D. Yeah. Manny Malholtra is there. Yeah. Well, and he's also running the and power Dean play. Dean Chanel is, is also there. Mm-hmm. It's like, how how come two coaches get to run the D? It's a good question. Uh, Leafs back in action on Hockey Night in Canada in Tampa against the Lightning. So that that's no cupcake, obviously, despite the fact that this might be a diminished. <laughs> Remember? We yeah. talked about it from the Leafs' right. perspective. It's the same way. Oh, it'll be quite interesting if the Lightning are fired up for that game because they're like, yeah. You, we are the team that suffered the first postseason it, series loss in 20 years to the Leafs? Yeah. That's Horrible. That they must be. Us. They must be villains in the NHL. Like yeah. I've hated them forever, but everyone else must now. It's like, how could you give them hope? <laughs> we were able to keep them under our thumb for uh, so long. Uh, yeah. See, and then the other Florida man took care of the job. So there you go. Yeah. So that's no. That's no easy uh, little spot on the schedule. There, Washington might be. One of those spots this season. Oh, Carberry going to have a million dollars on the board. Oh, Ovechkin's going to get that. Ovechkin's going to do the I'm the goal scorer thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's that's so a great point. No that, cupcake. That, like, every, everybody's cupcake is is less so a cupcake because the Toronto Maple Leafs have everybody's attention For always, sure. always, forever and ever and ever. But also, it should be said, the Atlantic Division is better. Yes. Right? Like there's just it was supposed to get worse, and I don't know how much worse with Boston and Tampa. Not mm-hmm. that they're world beaters, but yeah, Sens took a step for sure. I mean, you just go down the Leafs upcoming schedule. Okay, Washington, I guess, Nashville. Okay, sure. But outside of that, it's like, okay, I don't know. Do we think Vancouver's a push a pushover now? Mm. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think so. That's like the 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 I guess the one that you could look at as most winnable, uh, and that's November 11th. And then you're like going back down to the end of November when you get Chicago again. That's that's the, like the Leafs don't have a bunch of games that are against teams that they should be putting in the dirt. No, I mean Sabers on the fourth. Maybe you think that's the case. They've they've been the team that's for, supposed to take a step right. forever and never seem to, and so. it hasn't happened. Um, so we'll see. Got to win some hockey games. Could be an interesting narrative situation if the Leafs don't put forth a big oh. goal-scoring effort on Saturday against uh, a, a a team, again, that they have postseason history against, uh, but a team that they generally, during the regular season and the postseason, now it must be said, put forth one of their best efforts against. Yeah, I just forgot about November 25th. Leafs pens closer than we think. That one's in Pittsburgh, though. So Yeah, not it's not as, the same. No, it's not. But yeah, Kyle we'll, Dubas screaming from the press box at Leaf fans. I don't think that's going to happen, but boy, would it be fun. Yeah, it sure would. Um, 
it's week seven of the uh, NFL season, and it and it and it got started uh, yesterday with uh, what looked like a prototypical Thursday nighter for the first what three quarters of that football game. Oh, I thought you were going to say just because the Jags were playing, they do play in a lot of them. It feels like it's true, and Trevor Lawrence played as I you know anticipated. Uh, in leading up to that game, talking about it in the wake and rake, that he had only been listed as questionable, that he was throwing, that there was an indication that he would play. He had a couple of scrambles, too, that the knee looked pretty good in. Uh, all of a sudden, it was a tie game into the fourth quarter there as, as the Saints had nothing, nothing going for significant portions of that football game. Derek Carr was getting into it. Chris Olave. Like, yeah. like Derek Carr is upset. And that division stinks, but Derek Carr was was not having it yesterday, and now he finds uh, his Saints team at three and four. Yeah, didn't didn't have as strong a words for the uh, for, I'm I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the uh, tight end who dropped a pass that would have uh, put them in really really good position late. Didn't have as much uh, as much vocals for him there. Always fun to see. I mean, we do this all the time with Diggs and Allen. Uh, you know, anytime quarterback and receiver are screaming at each other, if the team's winning, you say, "Ah, that's fine. That's part of the process." But when it's not, you certainly point at it and look for sure. Uh, week seven of the NFL season getting underway in earnest on Sunday and a couple of notable matchups, you know, we got, we got Ravens and lions. And then of course the Sunday night are, Whoa, dolphins and the Eagles, which is at this point, never cheered for a team. I don't care about as hard as I'm going to be cheering for the Eagles in that one. Yeah. At this point in the season game of, uh, the year. But I also eyes on, especially in, in this geographic area, mm-hmm. on an AFC East divisional affair between the hapless. <laughs> Patriots have no hap. Uh, New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills, who haven't looked great last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, but have gotten the job done just barely against the Giants. The uh, Patriots more than a touchdown underdog at home against the Bills in this football game. Let's talk to uh, one of the men who will be calling that football game. It's Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS and NFL Network. How's it going, Charles? Going great. How are you gentlemen today? Doing very well. This is a a weird situation for Bill Belichick to be in, not to be underdogs against a Bills team that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's real good, but to be that significant an underdog. What is the feeling around the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick right now? Yeah, that's interesting because we're we, we haven't talked with Coach and, and his crew yet. We're scheduled to do that later this afternoon. I got into um, I'm in Providence, so I got to the Providence area last night. But I got off the plane and a man approached me and he said, "Oh boy, do I feel for you." <laughs> and I've never met the man. We we were on the flight together, and I was like. Okay, now you're worried about, okay, did I do something? Did my pants split? You know, you started, <laughs> what, 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 what happened here? And uh, he said, I saw you breaking down tape of, uh, of, of, of my Patriots. You're wasting your time. They're terrible. And I said, oh, okay, well, thank you. And then proceeded to tell me all the things they needed to do and what was going on and what was happening and concluded with, well, if nothing else, I sure want to see Malik Cunningham play quarterback because at least we'll have some excitement. <laughs> <laughs> one way or the other. And I said, okay, have a nice day. And that's kind of, I guess I will take him as a one person example <laughs> of what, what I may be running into. Look, I, I, I'm not going to take this thing and, and turn it into the art form that coaches turned it into where, you know, the old Lou Holtz, every team you've ever played was the greatest team that ever played, you know, that sort of thing. 
because that would be insulting to everyone. The Patriots have problems. The Patriots are one in five for a reason. The Patriots have not looked good all season long. And now you look back and go, how did they beat the Jets? Right? That, that's kind of what it's turned into. But because of what Coach Belichick has accomplished in his career and has put together, I will respect him. They, I will respect the you know the Patriots for that reason. As a team right now, there's a reason the Bills are favored the way that they're favored. But the Bills themselves, hey, they they better ask themselves a couple of questions about how would you even be in the situation you were in on Sunday night? Because that Giants team, not very good. Okay, let's just let's just put it on the table. It's not a very good football team, and there's no way the Bills should have been scuffling with them on Sunday night. No, they, they shouldn't be. And, man, you want to talk about a fall from grace for the Patriots. I don't know that anything kind of uh, puts it so perfectly as a as the fan base. And I, I've seen it. I You know, you might be talking to someone who who's a uh, a part of it, Charles, that, that they're, we're sitting here going, yeah, let's get the guy who can run some gadget plays in there. Let's get the kind of gimmicky quarterback. Let's try that out. Yeah. It's just insane to think that that's where that, that fan base is at now. In terms of the Bills, you know, it's been a, like you said, a little bit of a skittery year for them. They've been plugging along fine. They've taken care of their business for the most part. And, you know, you can point to the beat down they had against Washington or the really big win they had over the Dolphins there. But in the past couple weeks, it just, it just hasn't quite looked right. How important is it for them not to win this game, but win this game handily and look like they are the best team or, or, you know, in the division or right up there with the other teams we think of as elite in the AFC. I think for themselves, it would feel good to win it. I'm going to call it competently because let's go back to Thursday night, I guess a week ago, not last night, but a week ago, that was Kansas city, Denver. Right. Mm -hmm. And you guys remember early in that game, everyone knew Kansas city was better than Denver. Duh. All right. That was easy. Kansas city knew it. Denver knew it. Remember how early in the game, Kansas city was driving downfield, just kind of took and stuffed it down their throat. Mm -hmm. And then they had that fourth and one fourth and two. Kick the field goal, guys. Get the three. Let's keep it moving. Nope. We got to crush them early. Remember, they pulled the fake field goal, and they didn't get it and all that. Now, Kansas City ultimately won because Denver is not very good. But Kansas City pressed it too much, in my opinion, meaning we got to show the world we've got it. We've got to beat down a team that's really bad. Mm. Just be competent about it. All right? You, you know, Don't get in situations where you have to do too much when you don't need to. If you have the better team, play it that way. Let it let it flow and come to you. And I think that I, I think Buffalo is looking to diversify attack a little bit. Meaning, Stephon Diggs is, is is maybe the best receiver in the league right now. Okay, I mean, hundred yard games as he like rolls out of bed, he's gonna have a hundred yards in a ball game. He's playing great. Other people have to get involved and take a little pressure off. Continue to develop. You know, Dawson Knox was a Pro Bowler last year. Dalton Kincaid missed last week the, the rookie tight end, and you know he was drafted for his playmaking ability as a, as a pass catcher. Can they continue to diversify? Other receivers come up, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's kind of where they're looking to go. But I think Josh Allen is probably telling all of them, I will throw you the football if you present yourself as open. Okay, I'm not just throwing it to Diggs just to throw it to Diggs. I got to know you're open and able to make plays. Because they had to make big plays down the stretch against the Giants. That throw Josh made to to Quentin Morris. Oh yeah, it was an absolute laser shot. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, between two uh, defenders who were crossing across the. I field mean, to... wow. Yeah, I, I I just I just flashed it in my head again and went, <laughs> my goodness. <Yeah. laughs> there's not many people make that throw. There's just not.
No, the, not many people who uh, make the decision to make that throw either uh, because they know they're not yeah, capable sure. of it. Um, yeah, the, the, this Pats game is interesting, obviously, both angles of it. Um, and all eyes are on Bill Belichick and, and him chasing Don Shula at the, the very tippy top of the NFL head coaching wins list. This Patriots team is no good, quite obviously. They have no chance of making the playoffs this season and would be better off losing as many games as possible. We understand coaches, players, they don't tank, right? Yeah. But for the organization, right. it's, it's pretty. No, it's it's like clearly the, the goal for this franchise this season would be to maximize their their draft um, position for this upcoming offseason. Is there a clear, like, it just difference of goals, conflicting goals between the Patriots as a franchise in an overall sense and Bill Belichick obviously chasing history? Um, oof. the answer is really no, because Mr. Kraft and crew, they, they're not going to be into the, let's lose every ball game the rest of the way out. That's not who they are either. But as a franchise, they're in the position of being one of those franchises that is consistently good. And the only way to hit the true restart button is to have those bad years. you got to have a year or two where you're down there and you're actually picking. When you are consistently good and you're pick, and, and meaning good enough to be in the middle of the pack and kind of be a fringe contender or maybe you barely make the playoffs, so where are you picking now? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? So you're right in that middle section. You're not competing for the top guy, your next quarterback, right? The top receiver, all of that, because you'd have to pull off, you know, those monumental trades and you may not have the draft capital. So I, you know, the Green Bay people are talking about that a little bit. If, if you know, quietly, mm-hmm. we've been so good for so long. We've always picked down at 26, 27, 28, 29. We really need some of those one through five picks, <laughs> but are we going to be bad enough to be down there? Doesn't look like it again in Green Bay. Looks like a middle of the pack type of a team. New England may not be middle of the pack this year. No. They might actually, without tanking, be a team that's in contention for one of those top five picks. But they're never going to tank to get there. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, hey, maybe some gadget plays and what have you and all that. They might be getting there because tell me, wasn't last week strange when you said, okay, right before the game, Tracy Wolfson reports that obviously Mac Jones is going to start at quarterback, but the number two quarterback is Malik Cunningham. The emergency quarterback is Bailey Zappi, mm-hmm. and Will Greer is inactive. And then she said, and by the way, Malik Cunningham didn't take any reps at quarterback in, in warm-ups. He took all of his reps at wide receiver, and we found out later that he did his quarterback warm-up under the stands, you know, where no one saw him. <laughs> I was like, wow, this gets better all the time. So there's no telling what we're going to see or what's going on, but they will not tank to get there. Mr. Kraft won't tank to get there. Bill Belichick won't tank to get there. They may just get there on natural deal. And and, and so we'll just have to see how this plays out. Hmm. Now I'm thinking, so it's Bill's Patriots this week. It's Patriots Dolphins in Miami next week. Yeah, maybe next get week. maybe get Malik yeah. Cunningham's feet wet and then go Wildcat in Miami, payback for Ronnie Brown and Co. Uh, all all those uh, many, many moons ago. I don't know. Ooh. I'm just spitballing it. I if, like where you, listen, I gotta tell you, I like where your head is. Yeah. Because 
you brought some you brought some history in there. Mm-hmm. Belichick loves history. Is a big part of everything. Yep. Hey, look, payback's a big part of it. And and, and real quick, you guys remember the the Forty Niners Bears had a, had a budding rivalry when the Bears. Remember when the Bears became the eighty five Bears? But mm-hmm. prior to that, they had to go through the Forty Niners. Forty Niners were a monster. People remember Refrigerator Perry. Remember him as a rookie, yep. and then they turned him into a running back. Right? He ran over mm-hmm. people. People went crazy, and he blocked for people. People went crazy. Do you remember what the backstory was on that one? I Why don't. Refrigerator Perry became that guy? It was twofold. One, he came to camp out of shape, and Dick was mad at it, and was really upset. <laughs> and no, Buddy Ryan was mad. But Buddy Ryan was mad at him and said, "I don't want that." I don't want that bleeping, bleeping kid in my beat, blah, blah, blah. But Dick is like, I drafted him. You're going to play him. And Dick and Buddy would fight all the time. So Buddy wouldn't play him on defense. And Dick says, okay, forget it. I'm going to play him on. So, so it was one of those things. That was one. But the real reason was the 49ers had gone to a formation. They called the Angus formation prior to. And they would take an offensive guard and make him a fullback. And people didn't do that back then. And he was the lead blocker for their run game. And they did it against the Bears. And Dick remembered it. He's like, okay, I'll show you guys. And then he got Refrigerator Perry. He was the answer to what the 49ers had presented. There you go. Oh, Payback. That People is uh, that's awesome. I, I love that. Uh, what else I love is a uh, possible QB duel we, we have. I know everyone's very excited for the Sunday Nighter, and rightfully so. Chiefs Chargers yeah. this week. Uh, Chargers nearly pulled off the win against the Cowboys. It's Herbert getting picked off. I imagine a lot of people would have expected Dak to get picked off to end that game, but no, it was Herbert who <laughs> threw the pick there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I expect the Chargers to beat the Chiefs, quite frankly. Uh, you know, I think the line is what it is for a reason there, but uh, as far as QB duels go, Herbert and Mahomes, I know we get it twice a year, but yeah. uh, that feels like it's going to be a pretty good one. It's a fun one, isn't it? And the one thing is Herbert doesn't really back down to Patrick Mahomes. He took nope. the Chargers in there a couple seasons ago and beat them on the last drive of the game with a touchdown pass. When they could have kicked the field goal, they threw a touchdown pass instead and cemented it. So they don't really back down. And when you look at this Chiefs-Chargers deal, the Chiefs have gotten the better of it by far. But how many of the games have been really tight? Remember last year, the one that the second game when they won it in uh, Los Angeles? And then the Chiefs said, you know, that was the exact same play we beat you with the year before. We just changed the formation. <laughs> and I'm sure the Chargers are like, oh, that really feels good. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's how that works with them. Herbert doesn't back down. He, he's a very underrated, tough kid. He plays with injury. He's doing it again this year with his left hand all beat to heck and, and continuing to play. They have the type of weapons that match up well with Kansas City. But at the end of the game, typically – Kansas City makes the winning plays. But as you mentioned with a quarterback duel, this one should be fun. Patrick Mahomes is looking for his receivers to step up and give him more options and opportunities. It feels like for the second year in a row, he's carrying them along. This year's group is not coming along as fast as they need to save Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. They've got to develop some more people as well. This is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Can't wait to watch that one. Can't wait to, again, watch the, the Sunday nighter between the Dolphins and the Eagles after the Eagles coming oh, wow. off, off, off their, <laughs> their disappointing loss to the Jets. Can't wait to watch the Lions and Ravens. And, and I mean, the, right? yeah, so the Lions open up their, their season with that victory over uh, Chris Jones-less uh, Kansas City Chiefs team. Again, a Chiefs team that doesn't look like the, the dominant force that we've seen in, in previous years, but it's the Chiefs. 
And and yeah, right. the, the the Lions since then just continue to rack up victories, but in impressive fashion. If you're into the advanced stats, they're now second in the NFL in DVOA. Jared Goff, according to Pro Football Focus, is the number one ranked quarterback in the NFL. Like people are having conversations about the Lions not just being a playoff team, which like clearly, especially in that division, they are. Charles, right. like, are they a Super Bowl contender right now? Yeah, they are. They are, and I know it's really hard for people to say. I've seen people blanch when presented with that question. Well, why, 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 the Lions? And then you have to stand there and say to yourself, okay, let's talk about the now, not the history, the now. And the now says, yes, that they are, especially in a weekend last week where the Eagles went down and the 49ers went down. So when the top two teams show their vulnerability and the Lions are still standing there grinning at you, the answer is absolutely yes. And then you go deeper, and it's just all the things you pointed out. Oh, by the way, last year, what was the Lions' Achilles heel for most of the season? It was their defense. Mm-hmm. We liked Aaron Glenn from Hard Knocks as the defensive coordinator. We, look, we loved all of them from Hard Knocks with the personalities, this, that, and everything. But they really weren't playing great on defense, right? They played better down the stretch. They made some changes. Probably the last eight games, were their stats were way different than their first eight. But overall, okay, what are we doing here? This year, look at their stats and think to yourself when you watch them play, wow, they got some players on defense now. The rookie Jack Campbell, now their middle linebacker, is doing a nice job for them. But Aiden Hutchinson is everything you thought he would be as a number two pick and then some and belts out a mean Michael Jackson at your team meeting. So when you put it all together, (laughs) this is a Lions team now that you're dealing with on a real level, not, hey, wow, they're the lovable Lions. Uh uh-uh, these lines actually bite now. I think that they are a Super Bowl contender, and I know people keep saying, ah, it's way too early for that. Let's just deal with what we've got in front of us. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia's been not exactly dominant, just like Kansas City, yep. right? San Francisco showed some vulnerability when some guys get hurt. These lines are fo- that's a good football team. Yeah. Yep, uh, and I think a, a lot of neutrals are deciding to, to jump on the uh, – the Lions bandwagon. Who wouldn't want to see the Lions <laughs> do something in the postseason? Uh, Charles, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. Hey, thank you very much. If the Lions go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, they'll have everyone's full attention. Oh, yeah. And then you'll need some extra extra strength shock absorbers on that bandwagon. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no doubt. See you, Charles. Take care, guys. Have a great week and go Leafs. Thanks, Charles. Charles Davis. NFL on CBS. NFL Network. (laughs) That got your attention. Go leave. Got my attention. Like, I wasn't super engaged (laughs) in the whole interview. I'm just sitting here slack-jawed like, oh, are we talking football? No, No, but I mean, I do. It is so easy to get in my good books. Anybody from non-hockey world, Mm -hmm. because if it's from hockey, like, if if he would never. But if, like, Wyshynski was like, go Leafs, I'd be like, get out of here, Greg. You don't mean that. Take it away. Mm-hmm. Go put Jack Hughes at four again on your list, okay? But when it's from outside the hockey world, mm, I love it. Ye- I'm so easy to pander to. Yeah. And I, I, I can't say that Charles has maybe watched a bunch of hockey this season or he understands. Said, he said, yeah. go Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Leafs Nation. He bleeds blue, baby. Uh, on the call of Pat's Bills, and if the Pats end up as – Nine-point underdogs, and they're eight-and-a-half right now. If mm. they end up at, as nine-point home underdogs this week, it'll be the biggest home dog for them since 2001. Uh, that was Tom Brady's first career start. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
put Malik Cunningham under center. It's pretty, Do it again. Pretty, pretty wild, wacky stuff. All right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Blue Jays in the news again. Boy, we can't avoid it. Won't stop. This is a positive story, though. Oh, okay. Cito Gaston won eight names on the Baseball Hall of Fame's contemporary baseball era ballot. So this ballot doesn't have players on it. It's yeah, managers. please explain this to people. It's it's managers, executives, and umpires. And you need 75% all the, all the, of the vote. All the most beloved people in the game. Right. So you need 75% of the vote to get in. Uh, we'll talk about one of the umpires that's on the ballot here that is clearly getting in. But Cito is is vying to become the first manager elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame since 2014 when Bobby Cox, Tony La Russa, and Joe Torre. Hot manager class. All went in. Yeah. So, Cito, if you need reminding... Uh, won a couple of World Series Have titles. Heard. Do you think he had autonomy to manage the game as he saw fit? I, I think <laughs> he he may have. Now, he wasn't here for a long time. I guess yeah. if, if less than a, a decade as Blue Jays manager and then returned yeah. second stint, which wasn't nearly as <laughs> successful. But first African-American man to win a World Series as manager of a Major League Baseball team. Obviously an institution. For sure. When you think of the Toronto Blue Jays. It is one of the, the first faces that pops into your mind. A hundred percent. The glory years, it's like Joe Carter and it's Cito Gaston. And honestly, it might be Cito before Joe Carter. Like Just he, face, honestly? Well, and, and he's more visible. Still yeah. has an active role with the team, as Joe Carter does too. He's always around. But Cito Gaston, like if you're talking about fame mm -hmm. in this part of the world. Totally deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. But there's also a, a case to be made because of the accomplishments there mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, look, like you said, I mean, there it is It is twofold. It is the fact that he managed not not just two, back-to-back. -back. Like, that That matters. That's mm -hmm. a little bit of an extra feather. The tre or the groundbreaking nature of it all, I mean, like, anytime somebody breaks a barrier, especially when it's not, and I, I don't mean to diminish this, but it's not just a barrier of being there. It is a barrier of accomplishing something and getting to the mountaintop and winning it. Like, it is tremendous that he did that, and the, I think when you take it all part and parcel involved... How how can you how can you say otherwise? Yeah, and and you know the, again the tenure was not super long, but there's some weirdness surrounding Cito Gaston after sure. he was fired from the Blue Jays that he never caught on anywhere else yeah. as a manager. As notably, a number of Blue Jays managers who have had successful tenures here, including John Gibbons, mm -hmm. never got another chance. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. And I, I know that's pandering to the audience yeah. because there's not many not people. Not going to be a lot of people with hot manager <laughs> opinions the other way. No, yeah. I like a small hall. No, again, like it's you can make a statistical argument when you're talking about halls of fame, but it's the the hall of fame. Yes. Cito Gaston is famous, so it's it's the being the first African American yep. man to win a World Series. It's winning back to back mm -hmm. World Series, and it's winning the first World Series of a for a non-American-based baseball franchise and being the face mm -hmm. of a generation of successful baseball team. that To me, that matters. If you go to the Hall of Fame and you want representation yeah. of the 92 and 93 Toronto Blue Jays, you want to see Cito Gaston's bust. Yeah, I think I, I will say the one part of that that doesn't track with me at all is the idea of it being the first non-American team. Like, okay, there's only one if somebody was bound to be it. But every other part of that, like the fact that the, the barrier breaking back to back, mm -hmm. he that is a famous that that like how many 
multiple champions have there been. It only is going to become less and less of a thing in this sport as it becomes harder to do that. So, of course, somebody from there, or, and not to say nobody is, but you understand, like having the guy who, to, again, a lot of people, I mean, even me who, you know, I was around for 92 and 93. I'm not going to pretend it was super front of mind for me with the, with the age I am, but, you know, I remember having a manager who had a mustache and wore a Jays hat when he when he managed our like high school baseball games and stuff. And I was like, yeah, Roy, you look like Cito Gaston. Mm-hmm. I love you. Like it's just somebody who sticks in your mind. And to your point about fame, it definitely matters. And uh, I'll be honest, I also with the with the manager, it's like we're not going to get into the his war or his ex fip. It's just did he did he do the thing? Did his team yeah. cross the finish line at the mountaintop twice? Yes. Pretty good. Good enough and, for me. An impact on the game. It was yesterday the Dusty Baker referenced one of the reasons he returned this season with the Astros to win back-to-back, like Cito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- there you th- go. this, this guy awesome. is, obviously, that. is awesome. obviously well-regarded throughout all of baseball history. Less so is Joe West, who's getting in. Like, country Joe West, because you got to have must. umpires in the Hall of Fame. Well, and how, how do you on. keep the do guy? Yeah, I, uh, I guess. You know, hey, that's a good point. Do we at least should it be like the same part of the Hall of Fame? Certainly like cordoned off, like maybe even a separate building entirely. But Joe West has the most games umpired in Major League Baseball history. He's the most you want to again, you want to talk about fame? Mm -hmm. He's the most famous umpire of this generation. Oh, uh, boy, I'm making the the argument for Angel Hernandez, though, because he's also very famous. Careful, careful. (laughs) Very famous. But yeah, Jim Joyce, get him in there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe not. I got a lot of time for Jim Joyce. He cried. He, he owned shook his it. Hand. He owned it. He owned it. I, I have way. You're right. You know who I have way less time for? Uh, the pitcher whose name I've already forgotten. Armando Galarraga. Yeah, I have way less time for him. He was way too gracious about the whole thing. I would have. Uh, I would have like had Jim Joyce's head on like an axe block in my yeah. house or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know. Better yeah. man than me. People talk about. Hey, he's like more. People have thrown perfect games before. Like who's had a perfect game stolen by an umpire? He'll be more famous for that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't I literally even forgot. His name. I remember. I can see his. I can see his face. I can just close my eyes now and picture him watching Jim Joyce blow yeah. the call. Oh, so good. But to your point about West, mm-hmm. honestly, should they go in? I kind of view it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, media members go in, but it, they don't go in. It's like they get an award yeah. that is attached to the Hall of Fame. I would have no problem with that being the case for umpires and you look at other sports as well. Like I pulled up, I was curious who the NHL officials that I, I remember Kerry Frazier, not in by the way, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. And uh, I know he's pretty this, famous, pretty I, infamous, again, famous, great hair, fame, infamy, I yeah. guess. Yeah. That, but, that's the Jim Joyce thing. But infamy, also fame. if you're going to have them in and mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know that we need to, but mm-hmm. if you're going to, the guy who did it more than any other, who was deemed by the organization in charge of these guys to deserve the most opportunity more than anyone else, probably should be him. But I'd also now that I'm now that we're going down this rabbit hole, I want to know who's umped the most World Series games because that guy should definitely be in. Yeah, that's a good point too. I, which I don't know. How about we just make a whole Hall of Fame for officials? Like no one would go. Well, but- that, like honestly, <laughs> can you imagine a thing of it's your dad is a ref and he's like, "Oh, we're rolling through 
Springfield, but not the basketball one. One of the other 50 Springfields because oh, there's be, one in that, every state. That would be funny to do, yeah. We're going to Springfield. Springfield. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 because I, I think you put the umpires, the referees, like all the oh, in, in the, like of all sports into one Hall of Fame. Oh, look at this guy. He could really, he really pulled guys out of a pile in a yeah. scrap. <laughs> it, oh, God. That's why there is not just an official's Hall of Fame because it would be collecting dust. Yeah, you're probably right. All right. It would be exactly as exciting as um, those like spots in America where you can. I'm touching three states right now. That is exhilarating. Oh, it is? Of course. I'm talking to you. You've done that. I've never done that. I I would. Of course you would. How amazing would would that be to be in multiple states at one time? You'd be lying on the floor like, look, my arm's in Texas and this is in wherever. Oklahoma, I guess, would be one that touches it. There you go. Look at me. Geography. Good for you. Thanks. All right, when we come back, um, Christine Sinclair. Good for her. I mean, hasn't said Maybe. anything explicit, but like uh, about as explicit as you're going to get in an Instagram post that that she's waving goodbye to her playing career, which is interesting timing with the Olympics set to come this summer. We'll talk about that. Uh, and Jay Woodcroft freaking out already. Four games in. Rome is burning. <laughs> it's the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it's obviously the question on everyone's mind. I think what what I can confirm and what you see is obviously Christine is available and selected for this window. I think we've obviously had some confidential conversations about where Christine's at and what the future looks like, but I don't feel like that's my place to... To communicate that and what I am thrilled and for any new young player coming in, they get a camp um, with Christine Sinclair and, and her quality and what she brings in the training environment and on the pitch. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was Canadian women's national team head coach, Bev, Pre- uh, Bev Priestman, talking about Christine Sinclair a couple of days ago. But last night, Sink on her Instagram account, posted a a little video showing a pair of soccer boots tied to a crossbar, gently swinging in the wind, soundtrack kids playing, and then there's a black screen with a white maple leaf over her number 12 as the maple leaf turns red as her signature appears below. It was like beautiful-looking Instagram post, Mm -hmm. no verbiage. Right. But I think we can all take that to mean... The, the boots hanging on the crossbar mm-hmm. part of it is that she's hanging them up, that, that she will not you be think? around for the Olympics this summer in Paris. And in fact, uh, our intrepid reporter here for Sportsnet, Arash Badani, tweeting out uh, as such, and he says, I'm told the plan is to have two send-off matches for sync in Vancouver and Victoria in November and December. Uh, Christine Sinclair, pretty damn good. One of the sporting heroes of this country. And... I'm glad that we get a chance to say goodbye properly in in a couple of months. Yeah, uh, obviously places near and dear to her heart when she when I saw that there were two, I was wondering if maybe it was going to be a place a chance to maybe give some people in other places outside of the West Coast there, but obviously it should be all about her. Um, These retirement games, if this is what it ends up being, 
I've noticed them kind of popping up more. I don't know. It just kind of like wormed its way into my world. I've seen a lot of like retired hockey players having these games over mm-hmm. in Europe where they bring players to their hometown. And honestly, I think it's a wonderful thing. And I yeah. don't know, like, why are we not always doing that? We should yeah, have done soccer this. Soccer has kind of a that, long history of okay, this. See, this is why I'm happy you're here because I, you know, interloper, but thrilled for, thrilled for Sinclair to get this opportunity. I mean, she means so much to us as a country. She mm-hmm. means so much to her sport as a whole, the record she holds, everything she has accomplished, the fact that I think if you ask her about it, probably the thing she'd be most proud of, obviously, is the team success for sure, but it'd be the, and she wouldn't word it this way, but the generation she birthed, right? That's the whole thing about being special is that, you know, I talk about it all the time in the world of golf of the generation that Mike Weir created. Now you're seeing it with the next wave. And Christine Sinclair was the tip of the spear. And not that there weren't people who came before her, but she was the first one that I think a lot of people just took notice of. And again, not just here, but worldwide. So if that's what it's going to be, and, you know, no reason or ash would be, would be wrong on that, uh, what a way for her, for her to say goodbye if that's the case. Yeah, uh, all-time leader for international goal scored, Pretty men good. and women, 190, most capped active international soccer player, 300 caps for the Canadian national side, totally understated, um, not somebody that ever speaks about herself and maybe to her detriment, right? Like this is somebody who we want more of, we want to know more of, we want to hear more from, mm-hmm. and she she's just not that type of person, but... I'm glad that somebody, and I, I do think this is how it went down, that somebody got in her ear and was like, listen, you have Sink, to- I, I know your ideal send-off is it's the, the 90th minute and the whistle blows and you walk off the pitch and then you tell the media after the game, that was it. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm I'm saying goodbye and off I go into retirement that we're going to have a lead-up to this, that mm-hmm. there's going to be given proper time for everybody to get themselves in order to get those tickets Mm -hmm. for those international friendlies that are upcoming in November and December in BC. Hugely important for someone who is a once in a generation, maybe like once in this country's history type of star for sure in, in that sport going beyond obviously the, the, the myopic of just the Canadian national, like Mm -hmm. you Recognized by FIFA as one of the greatest international players in the history of the sport. It would have would have just sucked if if she just and I know she would have preferred it if she just walked off the pitch and was like, I'm I'm gone. Thanks, thanks for having me. Please I, don't bother me anymore. <laughs> I suppose that's why the greats are the greats, but man, like I could not imagine having the opportunity <laughs> to be like, I've joked about it all the time. It's like, you know, it would be my fantasy yeah. is to go to my funeral. Uh, like, oh, yeah. my God, do you know how good that would be? Everybody's yeah. saying so many good things about mm-hmm. you. The fact that there are people out there who don't want that, who are made uncomfortable by it, I I, I cannot wrap my head around it. I guess when you are, you get to that level, you know, you're lauded all the time. Maybe it's a little old hat. Maybe it's just her personality, obviously super uncomfortable with it, but... I mean, it's it's important to give people this, you know, again, to bring it up to, you know, other people. You and I have had this conversation about Tiger Woods. He will never, ever go stand on the Swillican Bridge at St. Andrews and say, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to wave bye-bye or do it at Amen Corner. He won't. It's going to be so hard for him to admit it's over. And because of that, we're never going to get to have the one outlet. And I am so happy, whoever it was, maybe it was Bev Priefman, maybe it was her family, whoever it was that got in her ear and said this needs to happen. Because, 
quite frankly, it's your career and you should get to go out however you want. But when you become a public figure, especially a national one like Sinclair in a sport that, yes, her professional stuff matters, but when people think of her, it's playing for the country, mm-hmm. you kind of become a public entity, a public, or not kind of a public entity, but almost a public utility. It's like we do get a little say, so I'm so happy that somebody made her do this because it does kind of feel like that. And it felt like the, the Olympics would be it. I thought she would play in the Paris Olympics and then wave goodbye mm-hmm. at that point because it, they're, they're so close they're, this summer, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 right there, and, and she deserves to play in the Olympics if she decided to. In a way, it's better that she's not playing way better, way in better. the Olympics because, like, obviously her role on this team is is very, very diminished, right? Like, and yep. and she's be the first to to tell you that as well. Like, she comes on as a substitute in these games, and she's being offered the captain's armband, and she's declining it because she's like, "That's that's all well and good that you guys revere me, <laughs> and you probably should, but like at this point in my career, that's that's like I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit player yep. at this point, and also." For her to be doing it at home, to play these final games in front of the home fans yep. in her home province of British Columbia, like that is, that's going to be a scene. Mm-hmm. I, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of attention those two games get, who they play in those games. It would be as as much as the rivalry is, is, is very intense. It would be great to see the American women play in one of those games. Oh, I, I guess. Right? Do I... I need a soccer person to help me out with this because I don't like like I don't like the idea of playing and I understand friendlies, you know, it's that's mm-hmm. the term. They're not always that way. But if this is supposed to be a little bit of a kumbaya moment, of course, like I want American players there because they've been such a part of the story. But if it's just supposed to be a big happy day, I don't know that I want the Americans coming I mean, here's it the, up. Here's the other side of it. Because they're You're all right. they're all athletes, and yeah, you know what they would love to do yeah. to stick it to her. Like they would. <laughs> they would. If you're playing a game, they would. I suppose. Well, yeah. you think the keeper's taking a dive? If I, it's, so what you want to set up a tomato can? N- I I because there's the, like it, kinda. I don't, I don't know how many of those exist. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. You can't set well, it up to be a just... guaranteed victory. I will say, okay, so the the devil's advocate yeah. side of that argument is that if you want attention and you yeah. and you want Christine Sinclair to get her <laughs> the, due, Cincy, the Cincy Cup, yeah, they, you want her to get her due from a media attention perspective. The American women's yeah, national for sure. soccer team brings eyeballs outside of this country. Like it, it, Christine Sinclair may end up as a segment on PTI, probably not, uh, but like yeah, honestly. Like, that, what, that the, the likelihood of that happening if the American women are here what is, I, is much higher. What I would like now that we've talked around, and I don't understand, I don't think this would happen, but like, does she have to play for Canada in the last two games? Can they not just be like, can it not just be the Christine Sinclair All Star Weekend or for for those two games? I like, suppose. I understand they're going to be international friendlies, but if it if it's just <laughs> a, if it is just about saying goodbye, and to your point, it would not garner any of the attention that America playing Canada and two friendlies or one of the two would mm. do. But if it is really just about saying goodbye, it's yeah. you should just get all the players that she competed against, that she was teammates with, and other entities play have a you know some forty year old who retired a while ago who was since he's met a mentor and all of this what whatever the case is that honestly is the way that makes the most sense to me but if you're not going to do that then yeah you might as well just play the americans yeah we'll see uh it'll be a, a hell of a scene 
December in Canada, but it's in BC, so it won't be too miserable. Uh, fairly well, Christine Sinclair. Well, Tom. it could be in BC Place. They could do it indoors. Too. I guess they could do that too. That yeah. actually makes the yeah. most sense. But now that I I want it in the Ice Teca <laughs> in Edmonton. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local week seven of the NFL season. We mentioned it. Bills, Patriots in New England. With the Pats, home underdogs, the number right now is eight and a half that the the Bills are favored by in New England. Yeah, this number could be headed up. Um, Three of New England's losses have come by a touchdown or less, but Buffalo is four and two against an eight and a half point spread. New England, one and nine against the spread in their last 10. I, I know the Bills looked pretty hapless in barely escaping with a victory against the Giants last week. This is, okay, that was immediately proceeding that trip to London. Mm-hmm. And, and these teams not getting a bye week immediately after that anymore. I think this Bills offense looks like it has in recent vintage against this Patriots team. It's a lot of points. I, I'm I'm laying the points with the Bills in New England. If you like that, and I'm not disagreeing with you there, you might as well take the over as well. It's set at 40. If Buffalo is going to win this game walking away, I think they do it scoring 30-some-odd points, and I don't like the Patriots' offense, but I don't know. They could scratch together a couple of field goals in that game, and then all of a sudden you're right there. So I, I'm with you, and if you're going to see that as a result, you should take the over as well, and it's set at 40 right now. So currently, nine of the 13 games in Week 7 have a spread of, of three points or less. It's tight. So since the merger in 1970, there's only been five other weeks where more than two-thirds of the games had spreads that small. There, There's a couple of tough games to pick, including the Detroit Lions in Baltimore to play the Ravens, where it's the Ravens at home favored by three points. I just mentioned this Lions team, mm-hmm. like all the metrics. That's so basically a pick 'em. Like you get the three points for being. Yeah, but it's become less so, yep. right? Like it's more like two, two and a half points mm-hmm. for for the home team. But this Lions team, and I know that the Ravens have had their moments as well. They've also had their moments where they enjoy shooting themselves directly in the foot. Boy, do they! Uh, the Lions, according to some pretty significant metrics, mm-hmm. are one of the best teams in the NFL, and Jared Goff among the best quarterbacks. In the NFL, they've covered their last four, winning by at least 14 points. They're on a 14 and two run in their last 16 against the spread, and they're seven and zero in their last seven against the spread as an underdog. I I, I think the Lions are a better team mm-hmm. than the Ravens, despite them being on the road. I I, I and they they're getting points. I quite enjoy the Lions in that spot. Yeah, just but don't take the points. Just take them to win because yeah. they're going to win. They're underdogs. It is probably as good a value as you're going to get on a Lions team that's really, really good. If they are who we think they are, and mm-hmm. everyone in football seems to think this, they should take care of a Ravens team that, again, is talented. But guess what? You're allowed to beat good teams if you are one in yourself, and I expect the Lions to do that. So I just take them on the money line. Forget the points. Uh, AFC West divisional affair. We talked about it with Charles Davis, the chiefs at Arrowhead giving five and a half points to the chargers, a a chiefs team that's getting it done, Mm -hmm. but just like barely doing enough to win right now. And this has kind of been the deal in, in this series between these two teams that they're always close games. The chiefs end up on the winning side of things. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's hard hard not to to take the points and the Chargers in this game losing in obviously a heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, I'm there with you as well. They <laughs> are going to this is going to be a a Herbert drive that has a chance to win them the game and probably gets them into field goal range. Then they try to do the thing where they get the ball back. Mahomes bleeds it out. That's how this thing is going to play out. I'm right there with you. I had it locked down. That was one of my locks. I love the Chargers to cover this week. Uh, and then the the Sunday night games or Sunday games get wrapped up with a beauty Sunday night game in Philadelphia. The Eagles trying to bounce back after that loss, surprising loss to the New York Jets. They are two and a half point favorites at home against a Miami Dolphins team that's played like essentially nobody. The one team that they played, yeah, they that that is like a team of note. They lost, mm-hmm. um, but they're on an eight and one against the spread run. Also four and one against the spread. In their last five as an underdog, I, I am again. You're talking about like teams getting their attention, mm-hmm. and the Eagles. I know had not been impressive in their victories before the Jets' loss. I, I like the Eagles in a in a bounce back game here against a Dolphins team that is has a formidable offense, but I think yeah, it hasn't proven enough. They are among the elite in the NFL, and the Eagles have. Yeah, and uh, just like we talked about with the with the Bills Patriots game there, I think if you expect that that game to to play out in that way, I think you have to take the under. It's a little scary in doing that in a game that involves the Dolphins, yeah. but the Eagles are going to have to hold the ball, really control it, and that's what they love to do is just have that ball control offense. It's fifty one and a half. That's it's a lot. It's a lot. So I do think if you if you like the Eagles to cover or even win, then I definitely definitely think you should be looking at the under there as well, which again fifty one and a half. I agree. Dolphins though on a an eleven and six it's, it's run terrifying. against uh, the over. Hey, sweat a little on the weekend. It's good for your heart. It's true. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, Toronto Maple Leafs. They're back at five hundred after starting the season two and zero after losing in Florida to the Panthers yesterday. We'll talk to Luke Fox, who was in Sunrise for the game. Uh, Sportsnet's Leaf reporter joins us next. This is the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.